Hello and welcome to P. Biddy's podcast, Pursue the Art of Noticing. I'm your host, Elizabeth W. Marshall, and you are listening to Episode 8. Today I have the honor of welcoming Tanya Peckover as my guest here on P. Biddy's podcast. Tanya Peckover is a writer, novelist, and poet who believes in slow craft, late bloomers, and the practice of resurrection. She's an adoptive mother, a former homeschool mom, and an unrepentant bibliophile. She lives a quiet life with her family in a little old house on a hill in Northwest Oregon. Recently, I was interviewed by a podcaster for an upcoming episode of her podcast, and many of her questions got my wheels spinning as I worked through my answers and responses for her listeners. She's a skilled interviewer, and her questions were probative and good. Her interest in my art, my podcast name, and the very themes of my podcast were thoughtful, and they encouraged me to dig a a bit deeper in my own mind about why I'm here, what I'm focused on, and why you too might want to be here. And by here, I don't mean planet Earth, I mean this podcast. This every Wednesday, a new episode podcast. This podcast that is intended to point us toward the practice of noticing more, to encourage and inspire us to look beyond the surface, the obvious, and the shallow places. So what does that look like? How do we go about abiding, remaining present and accounted for, here in the moment, not buried in the past or fearing or even over-planning our tomorrow? Well, as with everything, noticing involves intentionality, and it involves bringing our senses to the table. It means more look-them-in-the-eyes moments occur more often and become a priority. It means stopping to take deep breaths, sitting, letting a spontaneous moment come for you, and it involves listening and learning from others whose stories are valuable, worthy of a listen, and worthy of our embrace. When I was a child, I was lovingly teased about a number of things. There was the bull in a china closet comment, I heard that more than once, and there was the you ask so many questions, chastising that I hold too still as a tether to my childhood, but here I have the privilege of asking questions, and what comes with that is no small measure of responsibility to ask the right questions, the good questions, and the gentle yet probative questions. I believe it is honoring to ask the good question, but it is as important to listen well. If you listen closely to this interview with Tanya, around the 17-minute mark, one of the joys of recording a podcast between Portland, Oregon and Charleston, South Carolina, is that you might have spontaneous interruption. As we use our devices as a tool for communicating and recording podcasts, it is not too surprising that an unwanted series of beeps shows up in the middle of our deep discussion about Madeline Lingle or poetry or something juicy. And so this is the caveat, and this is where Grace comes in. Plug your ears or disregard the beep, but don't miss Tanya's profound words. My apologies to each one of you. And then there's the verbal typo I make. In discussing my mother's dementia, I reference her age as... 
in her early 80s. Sadly, my mother died in her late 70s from the horrible disease. Not many of you would have known my mother's age, but I like to be clear and transparent and truthful. So my mind wandered off a bit, and I could see my mother sitting in a rocking chair, and boy, did she look every bit of 80-plus and then some. The disease is a bully. But she enjoyed words and held on to her books up until the end. So now enjoy my friend Tanya Peckover, and thank you for joining me for Episode 8. Hey, Tanya. Welcome to Peabody's. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a treat. I'm so thrilled to have you. Um, I really appreciate your willingness to come on and and talk for a bit about um, your work as a writer and about your current projects and about what you've been reading and all sorts of things. So um, why don't we get started? I I have a feeling we have have a lot to talk about. So... um, let me ask you this. What um, Will you share a little bit with us about your passion for writing and perhaps a little bit about how long you've pursued writing as an art form or maybe been pursued by the call to write? Um, and as a part of that, could you speak a little bit to what genres you especially find yourself drawn sure. to? I, um, I really am a late bloomer when it comes to writing. Um, I was a big reader as a kid, but I really didn't write that much. Maybe um, some poetry in high school and, you know, I always kept a journal, but um, I really didn't come to writing until I was in my early 30s, I think. Um, And really that was because we were having a hard time as a family I had four kids at home and I was homeschooling and one of our kids had really high needs. And so we were isolated a little bit without a lot of community. And so I decided to start blogging just to find some community and um, found that I really enjoyed writing. I, um, I hadn't ever really thought about it. I mean, when I look back, I think I've always been oriented towards language and words and um so I can see the threads all the way back but I really hadn't thought about writing um until I was an Mm. adult and then um and like I said it was really for community at first um but I think really what I was doing was discovering myself and figuring myself out um but then about five years ago um I was writing a lot of poetry and um for fun, I decided to take a class that Mick Silva was offering, um, which was story writing. It was just an online class, and I just I had never written any fiction at all, and I wasn't never thought of myself as a storyteller, but I thought it would just stretch me a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. I did that, and you know, from the first class, I think I I can't remember what the first exercise was, but I think it was probably what's your first line and um, of this novel that you're going to write someday. And I wrote it and it was like a door opened. I don't really know how to explain it, but um, it was just there. The whole, not the the whole plot of the story, but the, the novel itself was just there. And the character that I started with just was a whole character and a whole person. It was, she was just in my mind. And 
I just started writing and I wrote for, I think it took a year and a half to finish um, well beyond what the class did. The class was only a month and I just kept going and kept going. And, um, and then I had a novel and it was so much fun and so beyond what I had ever imagined myself doing. So I, um, you know, I decided that um, since I'd never really studied writing, I thought, well, I'll just make this sort of my, my project to learn. And so I hired Mick to, he was a freelance editor at the time and I hired him to edit the novel and um, he just, you know, we just worked through that whole thing and I learned what it takes to put one together and, and where, what was successful in my writing and what wasn't. And, um, and then, um, I had made a lot of really lovely friends, um, uh, through blogging, writing friends. And, um, I had some of them read the novel and, um, and then someone was kind enough to send it to their agent and, um, and I ended up, um, she called me, the agent called me and offered to represent me. And it was this first time where I just was like, I could do this, you know, I mean, I can do this for a living. I mean, I, I, I was facing, you know, my kids are starting to grow up and move on. And I thought, I know what I can do now for the rest of my life. And so really that's how I came to it. And um, I've had some kind of stops and starts over the last five years, but recently um i've just really committed myself to it and realized that you know yes this is what i'm doing um and so i kind of you know it's a slow i guess a five-year ramp up you know but um <laughs> but i well i can hear the passion and the excitement in your voice i love i love the arc of that story you just told it had it had all the elements of a great story how you get yeah, a novelist really to me <laughs> so in that first catch us up to date on that first novel where where well, that I is told now somebody the other day i'm still collecting my rejections you know that's a, a phase that every writer has to go through so that novel's still waiting for the f perfect person and you know i feel really at peace about that i just feel like um being published it's funny like being published is i think every writer wants to be and of course i do um but it's not it's not what's driving me um and um, so I feel really fine about um, about it just taking its time. I, I think I'm a, a different kind of writer. And so I think that, you know, it's going to have to find the right home in the right place. And that's fine with me. And in the meantime, I just get to keep working and get better and better at what I do. So, um, so yeah, that's where we're at with that. And um, I don't know, just, you know, pray for it. <laughs> Well, tell me, so are you working on any one project now that it just has lit you up and that you, you jump out of bed in the morning and say, oh, this is my call right now. Is it, is there one work or is it just writing yeah, in I, general? I'm about halfway through another, a second novel. Um, and um, mm. yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's um, I've, I've discovered that what I'm really interested in is the way people relate to each other, which actually, oh, yeah, which actually that. makes my work hard to categorize. So it's not just a romance or it's not a, you know, it's not a genre fiction. 
um, it's more literary. I just want to talk, I mean, I like to think about how do we deal with difficult people? How do we deal with woundedness? How do we forgive and love people who don't deserve it? Those are the kinds of themes I kind of find myself going back to over and over. And then how do you remain healthy and a whole person in a relationship like that? Um, so my second novel is about a mother and a son and she's troubled mentally and emotionally and you know her son has to grow up in relation to that and I'm just kind of exploring how do you get saved from that kind of a childhood I don't mean saved in a religious way but I mean do you as a as a person come out of something difficult and remain whole or can you you know so I just explore that and you know I found that I really I'm not interested in happily ever after stories. I think that's sort of a mythology that we, we, an easy mythology that we tell ourselves because I don't, I think that life is um, not a, it's not about arriving at a destination of happily ever after. It's about this continual process of learning and growing and forgiving and, um, um, working with each other, you know, life is messy. Relationships are complicated. So I'm not looking to write a story where, oh, this was hard and this was hard, but look, it's all happy in the end. You know, I want to write about having joy and a full life in the middle of different things. Right. Yeah. I love that. Those are such important um, themes that we all deal with. We deal with grief while we're living. We deal with sorrow in the midst of joy. That's just part of our humanity. Um, um, so I'm so, I'm so excited to, to, to know that this is um, a work that's being written by you and I cannot wait until it's um, completed and I can't wait to get my hands well, on it. That's it sounds the hard like, part about writing. It sounds books. Weird. It's not like even like a painting or something. I can just like show people what I've done. I know you have to wait to share it. It's hard. Oh, oh, I know. And the work changes us, doesn't it, while we're writing it? I feel like it does. I feel like I'm changed by the work and the work changes me. And it's it's relational to the page right. and the writer. At least I found that. Mm-hmm. So, I oh, I'm excited about all that you're um, referencing. Thank you for sharing all that with me. That gets me. I feel like I'm getting excited oh. with you and for you. Oh. <laughs> um, So let me ask you a couple other things. One thing I know um, to be true, maybe possibly because it's in your your bio, but um, you really are a a bibliophile and you're an avid reader and you love books. And so is there is there some I guess this is a two. um, This question has two elements to it. One is who do you admire and who would you say are strong influences on your art in terms of other creatives? And also as a part of that, have you read something recently, you know, particularly fiction, but it can be nonfiction that has just been that book you could not put down. You just felt really um, captured in the moment as you were holding Mm -hmm. it. Have you, as you you read a lot, you're a real avid, avid reader. Um, well, um, let me think about what I have read recently. Um, one book that's, or a couple of books that stick out are um, sort of unusual for me. One is um, Octavia Butler's Earthseed series, which is a science fiction series oh. from, I think, the 70s, maybe the 80s. 
Um, I read that over the summer mm. and I have not quit thinking about it. It's a little unusual, but what's interesting about her is that she's the first, I think she's one of the first African-American science fiction writers, a female. Um, so she, I, I'm really interested in the feminine um, perspective, especially when you're going into genres that are typically more male. So I think it's really interesting to read. Her books are kind of dystopian. So it's kind of interesting to read how a woman comes at the end of the world. It's a little different. Mm. Um, also, I've read recently another one that sticks out is Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad. Um, that's another, um, that's look at American slavery. Um, that was a, a really mm. tough read, but I, I mean, I think it's important to read stuff like that. Um, but both really, really good writers. And um, this is sort of, this is nonfiction, but um, Haruki Murakami wrote a book, What I Talk About yes. When I Talk About Running. It's funny, I haven't read any of his novels, so I don't really know what his style is. But this book, I can't, it was so helpful for me as a writer. Because um, he talks about how writing a novel is really similar to learning to be a runner. And he just kind of braids that back and forth throughout this book. Um, and so uh, that was a really helpful book for me to read. Um, what was the, the other part of the question? Who's in Just your influences, um, your influencers, um, other writers that you feel like influence your work. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to say and to identify and to put your finger on that. But sometimes for, for writers, that's an easy question. People can say, oh, I'm so influenced yeah. by... You know, this I do, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I thought about this recently because I wrote a, a couple blog posts about it. But um, two that come to mind immediately are um, one is Madeline Langle, um, um, mm. mainly because of she sort of charted a way to be a Christian writer that is um, feels more true to me than um, um, than sometimes what I see out there. Um, she doesn't conform to um what everybody's expectation is of a christian writer but i love that she's so true oh, to herself yeah. and she just refused to be pushed out of that like she 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 is stayed true to what she believed and wrote it in the way that she believed it and still claimed her faith and i i appreciate that about her um so um she's one. And then the other is, um, William Stafford, who is a poet. And, um, I actually came to, to know him because, um, he was a conscientious objector in world war two. And I'm pretty fascinated with the whole idea of nonviolence. And that's a really important part of my faith. Um, and so I ended up finding him and then I started reading his books about writing. And one thing that he said was, um, you create good poetry or, you know, by extension, good writing by living the kind of life that enables good writing to come about. And I think that, you know, I mean, clearly in history, we can see that there are people that <clears throat> artists that create beautiful art without being necessarily amazing people. But I, I think for me, this is really true that I, I want my art to come out of the integrity of my life. And, um, that's kind of what I see in his work. And 
Um, so he's influenced me a lot and I, I reread his books on, on writing frequently. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and as a, as a outgrowth of that, um, I have one other question that has to do with poetry because I'm, I'm so intrigued and, um, so astounded by your projects that you've had recently of memorization and, um, you've inspired me. I, was thinking even the other day about how much I struggled as a child with memorizing poetry. And so I feel like I want to go back and try that as an adult. Um, so can you speak a little bit to that um, for us about how you chose to um, personally challenge yourself with poetry memorization and how long you've been, I know uh, the last poem right. was Wendell Berry. Um, the current poem, uh, you've just started a new project. Can you speak to sure. that a little bit? Um, I um, went to uh, church schools growing up, and so we always had to memorize um, scripture. So um, I really memorized a lot of scripture as a kid. And one thing I've noticed as an adult is how that is just those words, um, even if I can't remember them exactly, the rhythms and the patterns really are in my mind. Um and a lot of phrases come to mind frequently. And so as a writer, of course, that's a pretty invaluable resource to be able to pull out beautiful language all the time. And so um, when I was homeschooling my children, we would memorize poetry together um, for the same kind of reason. And um, yeah, especially as I've been writing, I find that poetry is really a key for me in unlocking creativity. If I get stuck on a scene or I can't think about what the character should do next, um, poetry is a really good way for me to just sort of unlock that and so um, I found that um, um, I just wanted more of that language in my mind that to, to be able to recall and so um, I just started memorizing again um, and uh, started with Wendell Berry and now I'm on a one called uh, from May Sarton, which is called Now I Become Myself, and that'll be my project for this next month. Um, but yeah, I find um, I for me it's important to be able to to have those rhythm of of beautiful language in my mind as a writer. Right, right, and I I love what that does in terms of. Um, giving us something we can pull from that is, is just always right there. But I also love the whole notion of what that does for us in terms of our mm -hmm. mental, uh, you know, um, ooh, there's some, some yeah. buzzing. I'm so sorry. I don't know where that buzzing's coming from, but in terms of, uh, mm -hmm. well, I, I guess I'll share this with you. I lost my mother to um, Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and or dementia rather. There's a clear difference. And, um, she, I, I love the notion of being able to um, really keep on top of our, our mental acuity with things like poetry and how it can be such a good um, creative exercise as we get older and as we age. Um, I love that about poetry. That's one of the things that I love is that my mother used to read Winnie the Pooh to us when we were children. And then when she was in her early 80s, we would read oh, that to her. And um, yeah. 
but the but the memorization aspect intrigues me because I have the feeling it may be a good tool for me as I get a little bit older. Um, it's probably a good tool for me now. So you inspire me oh, in that, and I want to thank you wonderful. for that. And I think that as you memorize a poem, you start to understand it better too because you spend so much time with it. So if you find a worthy poem, you know, and you're going to spend a month with it, you're going to really appreciate it more. Absolutely. And I've found that when we sit with things for a long time and for a good long while, we know them better. Like there's a more, there's more intimacy with the words exactly. and with what the poet intends for us. And, um, and when we go back that second and third time, they're fresh and new. I've found that there's something we missed the first go around. It's amazing how it's reborn and um, it has, it, there's renewal in that, that revisiting of a good, right. good poem. Um yeah. So thank you for that. That's very inspiring. I love watching. Um, in fact, will you share with us um, and then I'll put it in the program notes. Will you share with us how we can find you and, and your, um, your journey on your website and then where you are on Instagram, because I had the privilege of watching you a little bit of your memorization journey through Instagram. Um, and so maybe folks would like to know how they sure. can find um, you. My website or my blog is tanyapeckover.com. And on Instagram, my um, name is Fernwood. Um, it's underscore Fernwood underscore. Um, that's pretty unwieldy. I think I might have to change that. <laughs> but that's where you can find me there. Well, I'll type it out and put it in the, the show notes. But I um, appreciate so much of, of what you do with your storytelling and your photography and your microblogging and your um, all all the things that you share with us on Instagram. I have such a passion oh, for your so Instagram. Much. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, maybe one final question, because I think there's there's a reason. Um, I was trying to think about this a little bit myself. I was sort of asking myself this question, um, but I am drawn to you as an artist and as a creative, and I have a, a high regard for your work and what I know of your work. I'd love to go digging into your first novel, but um, we both, I believe, share this um, passion for slowing down and for wider margins and for we put a high value on abiding in place and abiding in our spaces. And um, I think we both come at our writing and at a slower pace maybe mm -hmm. than others. So can you speak to that for just a moment as, as the, this is going to be the final question and um, I'm going to let you get back <laughs> to your writing, <laughs> but um, how does this notion of being present and attentive and a dedicated noticer of, of our world and our um, space? It's such a, big question and you can you can take it wherever you want to go with the answer but I know um, it affects us as creatives and just as human beings so can you speak to that a little bit and how it affects your work as a creative and affects yeah, your life I, um, you know I I am by nature a pretty impatient and um, person like I move really fast and I or this is how I have been in my life um, very anxious for the next thing that was coming and um my my life itself sort of forced me into being slower and then um that took a lot of years and now i think that um i really have come to appreciate sort of the slowness um that i really believe that there's enough time for everything that i'm supposed to do and you know one thing i think that i
what you just said about abiding in place. And, you know, we live a little bit in the country and um, we're kind of isolated. And um, I have a, a lot of opportunity to be outside in nature. And um, I've learned so much just by observing nature. You know, it has its own pace and it has so much to teach us about economy and non-judgment and the proper rhythms of time and and that there really is provision and season for every single thing that needs to be accomplished you know and you can watch these life cycles taking place in this um very patient way and i really feel like that i'm trying to absorb that and be that personally um just realizing that I'm not, even though I'm starting late in my career, I haven't missed anything. I, there's enough time ahead for me to do what I need to do if I, if I work diligently at it and if I just show up every day. And um, I think that that's, you know, I just, when I start to get anxious, I just kind of go outside and just sort of watch the rhythm happening out there. And that sort of settles me down so that, that I can accept this is where I am. This is what I can do. This is what I have to offer. And that's, that's all that is expected of me. And that's fine. And that's so lovely. And that's so wise. And um, as an older creative myself, I guess on the spectrum of creatives, <laughs> 59 years old, I, I share so much of what you're saying in terms of feeling like the timing is just okay. I'm where I'm meant to be. And as long as I show up every day and work diligently, I, you, yes, I kind of quote yes. you on that. <laughs> um, can, can I ask you to remind me of that <laughs> down the road? <laughs> But those are wise things. Those are such wise words to hear, no matter what our season, but especially if we get a little bit angsty about where we are in terms of age. And so we strip that number away and just say, I am where I am doing the work that I'm called to do. And so you said that so eloquently. Thank you for that. That's such a beautiful, um, that's such a beautiful word about um, being at peace where we are as creatives and also to that, just that head nod mm-hmm. to nature and the, the natural rhythms that are there. Um, so, um, yeah, so I thank you so much for coming on and for being so open and so um, just so willing to speak into your process and into your projects and into how you came about writing and just, just your world as, as a creative. I, I'm so grateful. Oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much for inviting um, me. Well, it's my, all my pleasure. And um, I will put in the show notes your website and how you can be found on Instagram because I know people will want to follow you. And is there anything else that anywhere else we we can follow you or know more about nope, your work? That's something or, else that I do like is the- I try to stay pretty limited and focused and just do what I can do well. So that- <laughs> that's fair. That's wise. That's, um, that's very, very wise. Tanya, thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm grateful. And um, okay, I'll thank talk you, to you so soon. much, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining me here for season one, episode eight. We believe that discussions of life and art and faith with creatives are informative, inspiring, and even life-giving. 
We believe that listening to the words and stories of others helps us in our own discovering and uncovering of beauty, awe, and wonder. Because we see and hear new ways to see and hear, and because a community of artists is always better than competition among artists, we need each other, and we need the art and creative work of each other. As always, we invite you to email us at pbiddiespodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts or record a message on Anchor and tell us what you think. We are cheering you on in your noticing in the days ahead, in your discoveries of the ordinary beauty in your day. Follow us on Instagram. We'd love that. And use the hashtag, the art of noticing or take note. We want to see what you've discovered. Until next week, I'm your host, Elizabeth W. Marshall. Thank you for being a Peabody's podcast listener and supporter. You support us with your presence here. That is the gift.